This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. One of the struggles of being an entrepreneur is the pressure to feel like you have to do it all yourself. A huge lesson for all leaders to learn, though, is how to delegate effectively and utilize your team to the fullest. And often, this comes with a ton of support from administrative personnel. To tell us more about this topic, I have Amanda Hamilton, founder of Remote Administrative Support Service Hamilton Ray, on the line with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm the founder of Hamilton Ray, your outsourced admin. Uh, We we provide fractional executive assistant solutions to other businesses. We have a wide range of different clients, but essentially that executive assistant support that large corporations have in a full-time capacity, we offer it at a fractional rate. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, before we get into um, looking into administration and taking a look at that space first, I would love for you to share with us what the importance of delegation in the workplace is. That's such a good question. You know, if you think about delegation, it's not just about delegating to an administrative professional. It's about delegating um, to any individual within an organization. And I think sometimes People have this idea that they have to do everything and, you know, and then what ends up happening is people spiral out of control and they get burnt out and then it's not effective for anyone. It ends up being ineffective and less productive for yourself and the entire organization. And I think, you know, as leaders, especially expand into greater roles that require more capacity, it's just so important to delegate to those around you. I think delegating shows that you trust them. So it, you know, builds team rapport. Um, It also helps to build confidence in other people as well. And I think as, you know, delegation has so multifaceted and how it can really build out the health in my mind of a team structure. And those are just a couple of the little snippets I truly believe in, but I think delegation is such a key point of any organization and really how to build the foundation, but also ultimately how to grow. Absolutely. And what would you say are the biggest, I guess, obstacles or struggles with delegation? Because I personally know, um, you know, for people who uh, would call themselves perfectionists, for example, it may be difficult for them to give up control of their tasks or for people who feel like uh, they need to train a person to do a task before they delegate it to them, for example. I mean, tell me about what would stop people, what would make people hesitate to delegate in the first place? I think you hit it right on the head in terms of like perfection, right? Everyone thinks like, oh, well, they can't do it as good as I can, which funny enough, a lot of times... People can either do it just as well as you can or better. (laughs) That's the one funny thing I think people end up realizing when they do start to delegate. So that's one thing. Um, And I, you know, especially in the entrepreneurial world or, you know, if you've started a business, you started it from the ground up and it's something that's so close to you and like your your heart and your soul. And so it's even harder in that type of a, a circumstances, how to like let the reins go and how somebody else can do it. So that's, that's a really big piece that we run into. And I think with that, it ultimately it's the trust element. Um, trust ends up being a huge piece of it and a struggle for many. It's, you know, trusting it's going to get done and 
um, not feeling there's a, a need to micromanage and, you know, how do you delegate without doing that? And it's, this like whole web <laughs> yeah, really kind of forms together. I was about to ask, actually, you know, what is the difference between delegating your tasks and, you know, either micromanaging or totally letting go of all of the stuff that you have to do and passing it, uh, passing the buck to someone else? From my perspective, I think delegation can be one of two things. It can be one oh, I've realized that this is something that I've been doing, but it doesn't necessarily fall into my job description or my job duties. And I now have a new individual on the team that this should be a part of their role. And so it's then like delegating it to them. So that in my mind is one thing. And when you do that type of delegation, you're letting go. You shouldn't be micromanaging. You're absolutely just completely relieving that project or task or whatever it might be to the other capable individual within an organization. But I think on the flip side, there's also delegation where you might need help with a project that I'm not, I'm not big into micromanaging. I don't think it's very effective, but you might have to do follow-up and make sure that it's getting done or checking in on the status, that sort of thing. I think that's different than micromanaging, but that to me is a different type of delegation and really just like hey, I need your help with this. Can And that's where I truly think the administrative role mm-hmm. can really come into play in a, in a big way is how can you bring somebody in to help with like the nuances or the small things to help bring a project together. Right, 100%. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about delegating with intention. I think you have to be very um, mindful of how you are delegating and what you're delegating. Mm-hmm. I it's it's about, you know, you're not going to delegate. I, I always use this as an example, but creative people and operational people are very different. They have different ways of working. They have different ways of thinking. And the last thing you would ever want to do is give an operational person a creative task or vice versa. And so how can you be mindful of like what you're um, giving to somebody and um, really being... Um, poignant with like what you're choosing and delegating to who. And and also on the flip side, like making sure that you're delegating appropriately based on capacity, skill level, all those things. So I think especially a leader within an organization, you have to be mindful of all those things. And that's really in my mind, how you delegate with intention and delegate in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And would you say that it's about sort of playing to the strengths of your team as well? So you're trying to delegate tasks that will suit like the individual members of your team to the best of their ability. Yes, absolutely. I'm all about that. I, I think my team would say as well as I'm very, I, one, I would say one of the reasons that we've been successful is I play into people's strengths. So I always make sure that if we're going to bring on a new client and they have a certain set of, you know, work that they want us to take on, I will make sure that I'm assessing the right people on the team that fit that skill set because it's not only great for the client perspective of, of getting the strengths of the person, but if it's something that you're strong in, you typically like it. Mm. And so that also gives uh, team members this reassurance, confidence, they enjoy their work, all of those sorts of things kind of play together. And I think that all of that, if you can delegate in that way, it's it's good for everybody involved. Yeah, I think people really underestimate 
how much enjoyment is sort of a factor in people working well. Uh, you know, surprise, surprise, you're going to put a lot more effort into something that you like rather than something that you don't like, right? It's so true. It's mm. so true. So I want to talk about administration as well in general, because uh, as we mentioned, you know, earlier, uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, there's that pressure to feel like you need to do everything yourself. And also, I think when you're uh, looking to uh, build a team as well, I mean, I don't know about uh, you, Amanda, but I hear a lot of the conversations when it comes to expanding a team from just a solo uh I guess, um, enterprise, It normally you think first of, let's say, someone who handles your finance or you'll think first of someone who handles your marketing or, you know, so on and so forth. But I very rarely hear people talk about hiring someone for a specifically administrative role. So talk to me a little bit about that and the relevance of administration in today's day and age. Yeah, I think the administrative role is can be all encompassing. You know, it can be somebody that's handling invoices for a solopreneur type of an organization that's maybe on a smaller scale. Um, from from the work that we do, we don't necessarily do, you know, like marketing, marketing, but we do content management. So it might be scheduling social media posts or, you know, posting that at a certain time, community management. So there's all these sorts of things. And I think traditionally, the administrative role that, you know, there's this term of secretary that I would say is a, a very old school way of thinking or the old school term that you would use. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone always thought the, the admin role was this person that got coffee for, you know, a, a leader within an organization and um, they faxed and filed papers. And I think as the world has evolved, as with everything really, and how we look at things differently, it's, it's that role is not like that. I would say the administrative role and my, from my perspective is a second set of eyes, a second set of ears and should be emulating either the business owner, the solopreneur, the executive that they're working for within an organization. Like how are they being, how are they that second in line and second in command? And so um, if you can look at it that way, kind of the possibilities are endless in mm. terms of the scope of an administrator. Mm. And what would you say to people who might argue that uh, the need for a specific person in an administrative role is uh, uh, lessened due to the rise of automation and artificial intelligence? That's such a, an interesting and a fun question, I find. You know, people talk about Calendly and how you can use Calendly for scheduling everything. And well, I think that there is value to Calendly and, and you can use it in certain circumstances and instances. You, unfortunately, we've lost a lot of human connection and human touch. And I think the admin role is so important to maintain that. And I always use this as an example. If you're an executive within an organization and your calendar is chaos, yeah, you could absolutely send somebody a Calendly link and say, hey, do you want time with me? Schedule. That's That sounds great. But it's very impersonal. Mm. Or if you um, have you have an urgent family matter that comes up and you have to reschedule every meeting for that day or that week, rather, there's something special about having an administrative professional going and calling your clients or emailing your team or whatever it might be and being that second set of eyes and ears to say, hey, like, unfortunately, this came up. 
we need to reschedule for you. Like, let's accommodate. I'm going to move things on the calendar. And that's something that like software can't do. You know, that's, that's really about maintaining that relationship. And I think that there's something, there is a really key element of the administrative role as it relates to managing relationships. That's kind of the person that can truly be what uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, executives have while they might not have as much time to do that on on their own. Amazing. Uh, We have to take a short break for the time being, but after that, I will continue my conversation with Amanda Hamilton, founder of Remote Administrative Support Service Hamilton Ray, all about the art of delegation and the administrative space. So do stay tuned to Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. Books, figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. I'm Christine Wong and I am joined today by Amanda Hamilton. She is the founder of Remote Administrative Support Service Hamilton Ray. So today we're talking about delegation and we're also talking about the way that administrative roles have changed and been shaped over the course of time. Now, I have to ask this question. How do you think the pandemic has impacted the demand for and also the operational nature of an administrative role? Yeah, the pandemic has been a very interesting shift um, with the administrative role. And from my perspective, you know, even before the pandemic, we officially kind of launched right in the middle of the pandemic, our business anyway. So that was a fun and interesting ride. But we've always been a fully remote organization. So when everybody shifted and moved to this remote element of work, that was a really big positive for us. But I think that was a really, not only the remote factor of things was positive, But traditionally, the administrative role has always been somebody that's within an office, sitting next to somebody, being the eyes and ears on the ground physically, like I kind of shared earlier. It's Mm -hmm. in the past, it was somebody getting coffee or, you know, managing on-site workspaces and making sure events were going off without a hitch. And I think it really allowed people to realize and shift their perspective of how to use an admin in a different way than they ever have, which is also why I think that that role has really evolved and it's become something so different than it ever used to be because there's so much that can be done outside of managing an office environment and really how can you be a more strategic partner? And I that's how I see that role evolving and growing. And that's kind of how we take that that's the type of an approach that we take. Mm-hmm, 100%. And, you know, before the break, uh, we discussed a little bit about how uh, nowadays an administrative role, like you said, are the second pair of eyes and ears, right, for any leader entrepreneur. But, uh, you know, what are the challenges of being able to achieve the result like that when you do work remotely and you may not even have ever met, you know, the person that you're working with or your client in person? Even if you're not able to meet with somebody, there's something, and, you know, I think we all throughout the pandemic kind of, figured out how to navigate working and or not even working, communicating remotely and uh, building relationships remotely. Um, and so as we like 
kind of shifted and looked at that. It's, we, we've actually done a lot from our side in terms of like onboarding from like our business structure of how do we do those things, but in a different way to your point, like you're not physically present. You probably aren't meeting people. I, I actually, funny enough, um, I had been working with two different clients for uh, probably two years by the time I actually met one of them in person. And it was the coolest experience to actually like, and a lot of that had to do with pandemic. So, you know, we went right into that and dealt with that for quite some time, still are in a, <laughs> in a bit of a way. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of elements and a lot of things that you can do to play up that remote role while also maintaining that relationship. Mm, 100%. Now, the other thing that I want to ask you about is the fact that obviously you run a company that is all about providing these administrative roles to uh, companies and people who need it. Uh, but what are the benefits of essentially outsourcing that role as opposed to uh, in-house hiring for that role? Yeah, uh, I, there's a lot of benefits. I would say one is we're really trying to become the experts in the administrative field. So you know, we've been able to come up with a lot of really cool tools and um, processes and procedures that we can bring from our team to our clients. That's one thing I would say first and foremost, like we have a lot of really cool ways that we manage calendar and we've onboarded a couple of clients recently and, you know, we, we get integrated with them and they're just like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it could be this effective and efficient. And so, that's that's one thing. I would say secondly, outsourcing to an organization like ours, we're learning from all of these different clients, different industries, different types of personalities. And it's really fun for us because we can say, oh, we're onboarding new client A over here. Oh, they need help with that. Oh, client B that we've been working with for two years does it this way. Let's try it that way. And so we have like a lot of like connectivity and synergy that way. Um, but also, I would say thirdly, and this is the piece that a lot of people find, is we're able to really be so efficient with the work because by no means is the work easy, but it's very easy to standardize and operationalize. So you can really make it effective and productive. And so what we've been able to do is in some places where you might have thought that you needed a full-time role or multiple full-time roles, we're able to scale it into multiple part-time admins or one, you know, part-time fractional admin. And it's a huge cost savings um, for all of our clients. 100%. That's really amazing. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about the role in terms of sort of how personal it can get. I mean, I think with uh, someone who is your second pair of eyes and ears, you know, they have to be fairly close to, you know, what you're doing, even in your personal life. I mean, you mentioned earlier, for example, the um, situation where we've all unfortunately had to go through where we've had to uh, we've been in an emergency situation and we've had to reach out to people reschedule things I mean that requires essentially letting in someone to your personal life as well as your uh, work life right I mean talk to me a little bit about that you have this um, passion for uh, work-life integration as opposed to balance uh, explain that to me yeah um so how I look at work-life integration and how, how I describe it is, um, I, I should just back up really quickly. This is really around to how I like my team to mm -hmm. structure their, their work weeks and their life. And I think 
I'll give you an example for myself, but you know, I, I grew up in an office setting where I was working a certain subset of hours. I had to be in the office by a certain time and I left the office at a different time. And what I have found since I left that role was I work really, really well and I am so productive. First thing in the morning, there is something about sitting down with coffee at 6.30 or 7 a.m. and just cranking through work for an hour, hour and a half. And I'll tell you what, I am the most effective. And so for me, working really late, it's not great. And so how I've taught my team is how can you integrate work and life to where it feels, you know, we talked a little bit about happiness and feeling happy in what you're doing every day. And if what you are doing makes you happy, the two should truly blend together and you shouldn't feel like you need to separate them so much that you have to step away and have what, you know, we all consider balance. Now, do I think, and so where the work-life integration with boundaries comes into play is, do I think somebody needs to be working all weekend? Absolutely not. Like that's where boundaries come into play. But could I say that one thing I love to do, I have a two and a half year old niece that lives very close to me and I love to take her to the zoo in the summer. So on Fridays, sometimes we go to the zoo and that might mean on Saturdays, I'm picking up the pieces from what I might've missed on Friday. And so it's really about like ebbing and flowing and how can you integrate the two together um, to like build more of like a healthy relationship with the two versus having to consistently seek balance. Right. Like instead of having this like split down the middle where, you know, work is work and then life is life. It's like, well, work is a part of life. You know, it would be nice to be able to treat it that way as opposed to something that's completely separate. Um, And I think this goes back uh, um, kind of amazingly to the art of delegation and how important it is, right? Because in order to do that, in order to be able to manage your time in this way, you have to learn how to delegate some tasks to people sometimes. For example, if you want to go uh, and uh, go to the zoo with your niece, sometimes you might have to pass along a task to someone else so that they can cover for you while you go to the zoo with your niece. Like it's right. I mean, that's sort of the beauty of being able to trust your team with that sort of uh, task. Yes, that's so, so very true. It, they are very, very interconnected. Absolutely. Mm. So I think my final question for you, um, we'll sort of go back into this delegation moment, is for people who hesitate to delegate <laughs> their tasks to people, whether, you know, for whatever reason, whether or not they feel they're maybe their uh, people aren't trained enough, or maybe they feel that they themselves aren't ready to let go of certain things, or, you know, they struggle with perfectionism. I mean, how do you get over that boundary? And how do you begin that journey to um, letting go and learning how to delegate your tasks? Yeah, I would say two things. One, start small. (laughs) If you're not comfortable, don't try and, you know, dive in the deep end. Then you're trying to tread in the water. I would say start small. What can you give to somebody that you feel comfortable with? You know, you trust somebody already, but you're not sure if they can do something. Give it to them. Give it a whirl. Um, I would say secondly, and this is something we actually ask uh, when we onboard a new client is commit your time to people that you are delegating work to. There's nothing great or effective if you give somebody something and then you're like, all right, that's it. Wiping my hands of it and I'll see you next month. You know, I hope you do okay. And so one thing that we've actually incorporated into our onboarding process is we actually require our clients to commit a certain level of hours 
to meeting with our admin because where we saw we already have not seen success is when people are not willing to commit the time to truly teach and that way you know like delegate appropriately those are when those relationships fail and so i think if you can really make the time make sure that people feel comfortable asking questions getting comfortable with the task or the work at hand I, that's when you're going to see the most success Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for this conversation all about delegation and the role of administration in the workplace. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. I'm Christine Wong. You've been listening to Raise Your Game. I've been speaking to Amanda Hamilton, the founder of Remote Administrative Support Service, Hamilton Ray, on the show today. If you miss any of today's show, you can catch the podcast on our app. Our app is available to download on the Apple App Store and Google Play. You can also head over to bfm.my to listen back to the podcast and download it as well. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.